just to let you know, this podcast will include some controversial topics, okay? May not be suitable for the workplace, may not be suitable for people that are in your Lyft or your Uber, okay? Don't want you to have a bad review, but we're talking about topics most people don't want to discuss, um, topics that might be triggering for those who have experienced the history of what we're talking about. And just know you can always put in your headphones, you can always Bluetooth it, or you can always wait till you're in your vehicle or in your home or in your office solo. Either way, we appreciate you listening. What's going on, beautiful people? It is Drake with Everything Culture. And Sham from She Gets a Pot. And we're back with our series. The talks they don't want to have. There it is, right there. And we're going to get right into it. We're going to be just discussing this morning, this afternoon, this evening about growing up black mm. so wherever this conversation may go get ready you know and it's going to be a progressive conversation because you know why it's us we're here together so everybody sit around listen watch and let's share some intimate stories and experiences that shan and myself has had in our childhood and our different you know our spectrum of being black in america so shan i gotta ask you when did you first realize you were black? Ooh. I will say I was in the second grade in Philly and we had a field trip. Um, we had a field trip to go to the Y for that month. And um that was the first time I've ever been to a pool and we were learning how to swim and I like this you know what I'm saying well maybe um, maybe I'm gonna keep waiting continue my um I was like okay I need a swimsuit mom and my mom was Jamaican she was like okay and you need a swim cap why do I need a swim cap let me just go in the pool everybody else the boys don't wear a swim cap you need a swim cap for your hair so your hair doesn't get wet and my mom my hair was always my mom's second daughter it was like I'm her first daughter my hair was my mom's second daughter um it's a it's a thing of black people black women taking real pride in their daughter's hair and long hair long hair to a lot of um black households is like uh healthy wealth um are we gonna be talking about it more you know good background all of that and so she was really into like make sure you put on your swim cap make sure it's tight make sure the the and um i remember swimming and the instructor i think the instructor was um white or biracial and being surprised at how well I caught on compared to other students and I feel like what was said to me was very like cusp racism but it wasn't like mean it was like was it a microaggression okay it was like 
basically you swim good for a black kid. You know what I'm was saying? That, was that said verbatim, or that was it probably wasn't verbatim? But I remember feeling like singled out, like what I did well was special because of my skin. Hmm. I remember feeling like that, and um, because my mom and my dad didn't discuss race in the house, hmm. it wasn't seen or held like a big deal. Like I'm gonna call such and such tomorrow because of X, Y, and Z. It was just like, oh, okay. But growing up later on, when I was like 11 or 12, the way I would hear my dad, who was Jamaican, born and raised in Jamaica, but lived in Philadelphia, talk about seeing Black young teenagers on the street with their pants hanging off their pants, you would think he was a white man in the South, the way he talked about Black bodies in the streets of Philadelphia. Mm. But because my dad was also born in 1923, the life that he has lived and seen how Black people are treated that dress and carry themselves a certain way compared to the young people of that time, he may think like, this is improper, this is proper, this is the right way, this is the wrong way. It is okay for me to... European standards, yes, so white American he, standards. Yes, because he saw it as being better, um, and that's what you should be. And if you're anything less, you're nothing, or you should be. It's okay for me to talk to you or treat you like this. And so um, that's the first time I felt black as a child um, was at the YMCA, um, and then growing up seeing the differences in how certain Black people looking a certain way, dressing a certain way, would treat each other depending on what they interpreted from how they look. Ooh, what was okay. yours? So you were about me to go in, how did your <laughs> father treat white people? <laughs> was white as right? Was that What's so crazy is I never, I never see my dad, um, Engage with white people. Engage with white people. We'll be right back with today's episode. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. The way people today are under so much pressure, socially, mentally, and emotionally, they need more help than a friend or family can extend. We should care about ourselves just as much as we set aside time and space to hear others' issues, problems, and challenges. We all have life challenges, but if you don't have someone to talk to, BetterHelp will work with you through therapy, providing affordable care you can count on in a professional way. If you contact www.betterhelp.com she gets it, you can get started today and enjoy 10% off your first month with BetterHelp. Get the help that you need to help you think through all of today's issues, problems, anxiety, self-esteem, depression, grief, illnesses, phobias, relationship issues. If you just need someone to talk to in those late nights, those early mornings, in the middle of the day when everyone else is working, BetterHelp is there to provide you assistance. Don't neglect yourself with everything that's going on today. We all have life challenges. Do not be ashamed of it. Better help is there to help. Now back to the show. Thank you for checking out She Gets It Pod. If you would like to support this podcast, you can always donate at our host, Red Circle, 
at redcircle.com or the link in the show notes. You can also find the BetterHelp uh, link in the show notes. And you can support by purchasing anything you would like off of She Gets It Shop with Teespring. Now back to the show. You know, he owned a business. Uh, the people who he rented his properties to were not white. Um, the people that came in his barbershop were not white. Uh, the people he played lottery with were not white. So I don't know. That's that we're going to have to touch on. We're going to have to put a pin in that mm-hmm. treatment of um, Black people, American Black people, even though Jamaican Black people or people there that, you know, how they treated American descendant of slavery, you know, even though they yeah. are Caribbean or, you know, still part of the translated um, yeah. slave trade, it's just how we treat one another. Um, right. But my experience, oh my God, when I first realized that I was Black or I was different, um was from my grandfather before I went off to I think the first grade. I don't think mm-hmm. kindergarten, but I definitely the first grade. Um your grandfather on your mama's side or your dad's side? My mother's side. So when I was like four years old, I remember I just remember the ride. I remember we going into the live living with grandparents I thought it was like a trip you know and basically my parents getting divorced and you know it was whatever you know um but my I was always raised by my mother my grandmother and my grandfather and my uncle he stayed you know here and there you know we had like a nice piece of property in East Texas I would say that you know my mm-hmm. grandfather he moved dirt um contractor so you know hard working grandmother in a church missionary did scarves mm-hmm. handkerchiefs and she was a nurse so but for me, oh man, yeah, I was young and I remember them sitting me down, my grandfather sitting me down and giving me the talk like, hey, you can't bring in your white friends over here, you know, and you know. Blatantly like, like that? Blatantly, straight up. And I was like me, young, he was like, because it's not, you, you can't be friends with them, can't do that. It's just, we don't need you know, that type of dangers in our household. Like mm-hmm. we come once again. I'm from Tyler, Texas. Tyler, Texas is probably a sun, like damn near a sundown town. Okay. Okay. Like, so racism was always discussed in our household. We was very pro black. You know, mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali, James Brown, like all these different folks that was like fight the power. Like it was support you black and you're proud. Okay. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather and my grandmother both were born in 1918. So, mm-hmm. and they saw a lot of stuff. So me. Like when I went to my head start, that was predominantly black. It was all black kids there. First grade, kindergarten, it was, you know, a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. First grade, you know, I went to a predominantly black. Um, but for whatever reason, my grandfather made sure to have that conversation with me. It was like, hey, you, you I guess he can tell I'm friendly. And once again, I wasn't even thinking about girls. He like he can't bring no black white, white girls in this household. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't trying to be racist, I know. At that time, I was like, I didn't know any better, but he's like, they would kill you, little black boy. You can't do and he I'm gonna say you can't even do what your friends are doing out there. You know, if they outside, if they throw a ball and they if a ball land in another person's yard, and especially you don't know that person, don't go in that yard. They will kill you. So it wasn't the. I got that from anybody. Man, no, oh, I got that very early on. So when I see the stuff still happening to this day, like with T- Tamir Rice or um, Trayvon Martin, it doesn't come to a surprise to me because my grandfather said it would happen. And 
you know, those preventative conversations, it's like, are they still needed? I absolutely say yes. Me too. Um, until we start seeing a significant change. But he also taught me to fight too. If they call you the the n word or something like that, or you come and tell us, or you you lay them hands down, you know. But it, it was kind of sad because you want to live in a world like I know I would love to live in a world everything's great, everybody's getting along, and yeah, mm-hmm. high fives, rainbows, and Sundays, and all that good stuff. But it I appreciate him taking the time because he loved me mm-hmm. and to communicate that to me rather than me just going out in the world and experiencing and happening and I'm coming back like what's going on mm-hmm. it's kind of like and it wasn't like I told you it's like come here we got you you know what's so crazy for me now I understand why my dad was like no all right you ain't got no friends I'm your only friend and you know my mom would be so like trusting and gullible with people and chances upon chances upon chances and my mm-hmm. dad was like uh you know she asked can can y'all all go to the end of the street and go study with the girl in her class what girl the girl from her class no it's her friend from school she ain't got no friends i'm her friend mm-hmm. i understand why as a parent he would say something like that because now fast forward anya she's nine she you know i'm working at the desk on friday well, uh, what's her name? Um, Toya will come in two weeks to play with me um, after school. I said, who's Toya? A girl from my class. Ain't nobody coming over here. I didn't invite anybody. She's not coming over here. She'll be in the yard. No, you know? Um, why? Well, what, what age can I sleep over somebody's house? I said, Anya, I don't have an age to give you that you can sleep over someone's house. I said, there are things that happen when you go into people's houses when you don't really know them that will shape you for the rest of your life. I can't tell you when. And so like discussions like that, I understand where my dad was coming from. Um, But the difference between my dad and me, there was no discussion about his why. I give my kids a discussion about my why. Um, and that's why I value my grandfather talking to me. It was, you know, don't get me wrong. He didn't yeah. say too much. He was like, hey, you know, uh, oh, he, he was very country. He had like a third, if I well, maybe sixth grade education. So he was very short on his words, you know. Yeah. But it, it was like, okay, you know, I love my grandfather. He was my best friend. And mm-hmm. Later on, that first time I had my experience, I went to a predominantly white school in the second, it may have been second grade, or second, second grade. You know, my mother prepped me and I talked and the teachers were the first ones that like, you're a little black boy. It was like the principals, you're a little black boy. I started hearing it all over when I started going to predominantly white schools. You know, when I went to the black, predominantly black elementaries, they were just pro-black and historically, you know? Yeah. You know, you hear a little, you know, nothing, but you see the, you feel the difference. Mm. Like, why did this kid get treated better and to get more attention? Why did, why did we both do the same thing and I get longer time out than they get time out? Mm-hmm. Like, why do they get to eat this type of food and you're listening to them and you're more, I hear you're more gentle to them. 
but you're more harsh on me and the people who look like me. Like Keisha, like, you know, Becky spit on Keisha. Mm -hmm. Keisha tried to come and tell you, Keisha pushed her. Why nothing happened to Becky? Because Becky mm -hmm. initiated it and we all saw it. Mm. Like those microaggressions that I saw that my grandparents, like, well, and my mother too would tell me about, like, why didn't you know they, what what was learned in those other households? I started to think, you know, and older I became, you know, I became close with like some of my Caucasian faculty, and they had kids, and I become friends with them and. I remember I was real close to my, what was it, my sixth grade, seventh grade nurse, like very mm -hmm. close to my mother would take her, we'll go over to their house and all that. My mother- She's black? Went, no, she was white. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, hope, I wonder how her son, her son had that before Eminem came out. He had a Marshall Mathers attitude. He was like the type of baby, pew pew, <laughs> school type behavior. I remember him. He was always angry about something. He was a little like a year younger or so, but- I was considered a good kid. I was like the teacher's pet, straight A student, um, little fat kid that just want to make people smile and, you know, mm -hmm. didn't mind adults. But at the same time, like, I realized, you know, it was a like, like on the school bus, you know, I rode a black, predominantly black school bus. And like, I saw kids get left and I even saw how the black people would treat the white students. You know, they were very much more, patient and kind to them i didn't see that and that's and that's why i know when you and i and baylor baylor talking to baylor shout out to btg for president ronald um yeah. he, he said some things that i'm like man he's i never spent i don't know how that do and like me coming from once again we're talking about the spectrum now the way i was raised and come from i'm like yeah you got to respect it to check it like that's what the reason i don't live in my hometown I, but I, and I realized now it was that when I got to high school, I saw a lot of the black teachers didn't play that from the white kids, but would be more, hey, little, young black boy. And I think the other teachers was trying to prepare us for the harshness and was like, you can't do that because like my grandparents, like, could you have something that is harder on us? Because they know if they're not hard on us and mm -hmm. check it quickly. If it gets up, they're going to try to expel us. They're going to try to suspend for long periods of time, Correct. whatever the case may be. Juvenile detention. I saw a lot of that. Um, I saw a lot of, like, just growing up Black in total. Like, once again, I went to different schools. I saw the, the difference yeah. in education. Like, the teachers, for the most part, in the, my Black schools, cared more about me, you know? Hmm. I would say that they care more crazy about, you know uh, okay right here mm -hmm. so when I went to elementary school in Philadelphia we went to Herdy Elementary and they had a pro they had a program called the African Village mm -hmm. and the African Village program was consisted of second grade third grade and fourth grade and the way that the school was set up, the classes had no walls. So you can see through the first grade room, I mean, the second grade room, the third grade room, and then the fourth grade room. And we would all have lunch together in a mm -hmm. room. It would be mixed ages. And then we would all have like, if, if, if it was like a class project, everybody would see 
second grade's class project. Everybody would see fourth grade's project. Everybody would see third grade's project. If it came to discipline, you were disciplined separate from the other school rooms and classrooms for that Great program. Levels. You you could be hit with a ruler from that teacher. The whole school wasn't treated like that, only in that program. And I was in it for second grade, third grade, um, not fourth grade because we ended up moving before then. But the teachers themselves were African and they taught us about Kwanzaa and they taught us about um, what it stood for. And we our, our projects were on Black inventors. Our um, teachings were numbers but also finding a way to incorporate a teaching from the African culture mm -hmm. in it. The foods that we would bring in when we would have foods was of that. Um, making food in class was a thing. Uh, but the way that they discipline as a child masked the why on why they're doing it a certain way for me. So I didn't feel like those teachers cared as a child, I felt like they were just strict and stern and not uh, warm feeling like a teacher that just wants to have fun with you and stuff. But now as an adult, I see it was about structure. Yeah. So when you move up in the grade, you know how to have that self-discipline and how to carry yourself. Um, and, and that school was predominantly Black, right? Yeah. And then when we moved to Baltimore and Maryland, it became more Hispanic and Black. Then when we moved to Florida after that, it became white, a sprinkle of Black, but Southern Black, which I didn't understand um, because there was a difference, and Hispanic. And, and Florida is when I felt the racial difference of how a teacher changed their tone when they talk to you versus mm. when they talk to a white student or um, a, a student because they know their parent. And that's when I became, <laughs> I became the anomaly of a black girl in that school in middle school because well I never seen a black girl with long hair that's hers and they'll touch it and they'll pull it now I've never been the child that was like oh don't touch my hair my mom never had a conversation with me about if people like your hair they can give you a compliment but don't let them touch it that was never a conversation so when as people want as being a southern black, oh, that was definitely a conversation. Listen, like, you don't touch nothing on me, much. right? But nothing. I, me coming from up north and having Jamaican parents, that was never a conversation. So if, if they wanted to touch my hair, I let them touch it. You know, if they wanted to know, you know, what are you eating, I would have that discussion with them, not knowing you don't let somebody come stand in front of you and and question you about what you're eating. You know, there, there's there's boundaries. There's that was never a thing. When did you first watch The Color Purple? I had to be in high school. 
I watched The Color Purple when I was like six, seven, and I watched it <laughs> every other month. It was steady in the VHS. Yeah. And those scenes and what happened in The Color Purple, my family, it's, y'all know it's my favorite movie. It's yeah. instilled in me, okay? Yeah. And I see it in real life, not only with me, but with other people. And the reason why you don't touch me, like with Miss Sophia, yeah, is that, that that sign of ownership, like we're a pet. Yeah. Don't, it is such a, a, a privileged white perspective, you mm-hmm. know, to feel comfortable. Like, I don't want to touch nobody unless mm-hmm. it's my lady, okay? Mm-hmm. No, the thing is, but the 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 come up to another human being and like, oh, let me pet you. That's how we would treat it. Yeah, and it, it's it, it's instilled in me. Like, once again, and if you don't check it immediately, they'll do it again. That's oh yeah, and, oh, and, yeah. And, and and it's not only with that, but when we're talking about school, it was also outside of school. It was the whole dynamic. I started older. I became like, come on, like I went through all these schools. I went to the dynamics when. I was transitioning from middle school to high school. I was telling them when I was doing my transcript, I was on top of my stuff. Like I was, once again, eighth grade, they were like, oh, like we had, once again, segregated time, we had the white high school, we had the black high school, okay? John Tyler, Robert E. Lee, okay? John Tyler Black. That name, Robert E. Lee. John Tyler ain't no better. (laughs) That's the thing, they both um, confederate um, generals yeah. at the time, but you don't know better until you really sat down and do the history. I went but... to London B. Johnson Middle School. Like <laughs> London B. Johnson. Okay, okay. See, but so the game. But the my mother went to Robbie Lee. My other my aunts and things they went to Emma J. Scott, which was predominantly black, but it was when um, segregation ended. They made John Tyler was a predominantly black school, and they made Robbie Lee stupid. People, it was stupid racist. They made Robert E. Lee so they wouldn't have to segregate. Like, you wouldn't have to segregate Robert E. Lee, too. Stupid. But the thing is, when that happened, um, you know, it was they, it was Robert E. Lee rebels. They used to come out in pep rallies, rallies with the Confederate flag, knowing they playing the black school for our games. It was a lot of race wars happening. So, when I was telling my, I remember being in eighth grade, them teachers loved me. I went to a school called Hubbard. And when I was transitioned from Hubbard to such a uh, island name for man, a man, I, <laughs> man. But but when I tell you the t- the, the the counselors and my you know student the one that did my um, transcripts and all that, mm-hmm. Drake, you're not going to John Tyler. You're coming to Lee. You're not going to leave us like that and sign me up for Lee State after I told them I'm going to John Tyler the Black School. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you, was that because they felt like you were better than? Yes. That? Okay. Yes. And when I went to John Tyler, and I'm still the same person, I'm still the still straight A student, still smart. I had, and we would have like, you know, math. I was big into algebra, math, geometry. Oh, that was there my come members yeah. there. And when I we said being competitions. Mm-hmm. And I used to see some of my friends, not only white friends, some of my Indian friends too. Mm-hmm. They would not talk to me. They look legit like snarled at me. I'm like, what? Wow. And I would then I have to embarrass y'all like I used to do back in, like we were cool. And but I'm seeing how that the schools, but it's really the segregation and racism I'm looking in it too, you know? Cause mm-hmm. that's on the other end. But the, I started realizing when I was in high school, once again, I went to Hubbard, I went to a predominantly white school, very right. preppy bougie. 
I remember they used to have full fight wars. Drugs were being sold in the eighth grade. All these, I, all this stuff happening. And the same thing was happening at Robert E. Lee. But I started realizing if something happened at my high school, the black high school, y'all put it on the front page. Right. Y'all, I mean, y'all, y'all, it, it, it was so in depth in the media. It was propaganda and I'm seeing it, but I'm like, y'all not post, but they have um, drug ring found or students ran over each other at least, but that's on page eight, section three in the corner. Of this I mean, that's as a parent, that's how I feel about private schools. It's this push of uh, private schools, even, but, but private schools, you get kids that are more involved in adult things and exposure to your kids than in the elementary school. And you who usually have access to that? Wealthier white kids. Okay, and let's say, and, and we if we talk about that full understanding of supporting each other, and it's like leaving is and like I didn't go to a private school, but I would love to talk to more people that went to a private school and what was their experience there. I know some people went to private schools that went to public schools, transitioned to that. So it's always a different feeling for that and what you learn and what you have for being black coming up. But I realize when I go to the grocery store been walked around the grocery store has been um what you call it what's the word I'm looking for when they profile being racially profiled as a child mm, I never experienced that you know yes you have I mean well, I don't know. Well, going to a that's, store that's, now but that's my thing because I once again maybe when you grew up it was different but growing up in East Texas these white folks were watching you the whole time when you walked in and now well, I don't know okay. if this just clicked to me. Don't touch nothing. Don't look at. Does that come from so you won't be accused of doing? Do white folks hear that same thing or other ethnicities? No, but I find myself, I find myself doing that with Anya, not because I feel like she is, just because I, I want to educate her on the fact that you not doing nothing but having your hands a certain way near your back because it's already this predisposition of you doing something don't do it like when today we went to the the store she had her toy in her hand and her bag was open and she playing with i said anya put that in your bag and close it went to barnes and noble put that in your bag and close it but do you understand that is problematic and it it's affect it affects us? Yes. Like for instance, hiding from the police. I had a fear for the police because I grew up as a little boy hearing about Rodney King. I remember they used to talk about it all the time. Uh, I didn't learn about that until color. I was in my twenties. It was everything like we used to, I used to watch the news with my grandparents and parents. You know? you know what's so crazy? I asked my mom the other day. I said, Mom. Do you remember living in Philly when they bombed that whole street in Philly with all those black people? And such and she's like, hmm, I don't know. I, I probably heard something about it. Like there's so many things nonchalantly that I'll bring up in history that have happened in Philadelphia or um in in, in Maryland. And my mom was like, hmm, I don't but- know. It's- but you kind of said it earlier because you mentioned that your your father really was in support of, of Black Americans unless they appeared to have a white gaze to a sense or support. Because he behavior. also had this predisposition that Black Americans were lazy. 
Yeah. So, and where did he get it from? From probably the white. Same thing. If if people have, once again, that's why we do everything culture. Mm-hmm. I've had people come into spaces and have these predisposition or prejudice views of us and never sat down and talked to none of us. Mm-hmm. Where are you getting it from, dude? Propaganda? Mm-hmm. Like, it's been like since I remember the world, uh, what is it called? Um, oh, it was the war that the Americans lost, but when they lost Vietnam, um, the Viet Cong, whatever they want to say, but they put out this information about us and saying what we are and what we're not. Instead, that's why we have to get to know each other so we can love one another. Yeah. I can't continue, I can't judge Jamaican people what uh, a white person have said. Why don't I go talk to one of myself? Mm-hmm. So, and with your mother, she you express that she has a passive mindset. Mm-hmm. It may not. Once again, shout out one of my one of my favorite movies, but one of my favorite lines: "Doughboy, Ice Cube, Boys in the Hood." Either they don't know don't show or don't care mm-hmm. it's very impactful with that you know my like once again that goes back to education you know you gotta start educating and being aware and being active in your community and active in your I don't know, man society because if something happened to a black person I don't care if they was across the world mm-hmm. my grandparents is like you need to pay attention to it you need to, we, it was like before Lisa, Issa Ray said, I'm rooting for everybody black. Those are my grandparents. What is the black impact in this whole thing right now? As far as the black impact, I think if you raise your child in just one city, town, or area, and that's, they only see one culture of people, they only see, um, one idea of what dinner is supposed to look like, how people are su- supposed to dress, and they only see a couple of jobs as options of what they can have, they're going to live a life that's limited. If you have kids, I suggest that you travel with kids. If you have black children, travel outside of the United States. I feel like um, raising children that are closed-minded that think, you know, only there are problems exist in the world is not going to set them up for the best future. Take your children to the suburbs. Take your children to the country. Take your children to the city. Take your children to um, places that have developed, developing countries who don't have as much, but they also have children who figure out a way to play, um, a way to relate, a way to dance, a way to go to school. Like having parents personally that were from the Caribbean and them constantly telling me what they didn't have and how, you know, I should be grateful to have X, Y, and Z. It wasn't out of, you know, making me feel bad that I had these resources. It was, what, it was out of understanding. It was out of the fact that make the best with what you have because you were in a better predicament than I was. And the Black impact with that is... If I expose myself to a lot of different options, then the way that I think won't be so limited. The problems that I have won't be so heavy. And that's the best part of having knowledge about other people in other cultures is 
the options that you thought you only had are not the only options. Here are our takeaways from today's topic. As you heard in today's episode, Drake's background of him growing up and my background growing up was a bit different. You know, he had a very Southern uh, education on people and how he should carry himself around people. But he was also exposed to different ethnicities and cultures of people. You know, myself, I was growing up on the East Coast, you know, whether it was in Philly, Baltimore, Maryland, Florida, or Georgia, I had a diverse upbringing around different cultures and kids. So it doesn't matter, you know, where you are in this world or what you don't have access to. As long as you have the internet, you can go on TikTok and educate yourself. You could go on YouTube and educate yourself about other cultures and their history. There is a reason for why everyone that lives in America carries themselves a certain way, thinks a certain way. And it's all about learning to understand and unlearning what does not work, what is not the truth, and what does not help our kids and ourselves be better. We always have an option to do things differently. We always have an option to uh, figure out where something is stemming from is the want to that you have to have. So I hope you guys enjoy today's show and the takeaways and I hope you come back for another one. See, I never experienced that. There was no conversation of blackness in my house. There was no conversation of um today is you know the day jamaica got its independence uh there was no um this is tradition let's do x y and z it was just like go outside um do your work come home the world is this house the world is when I go with you and drop you off at church and we come back and we have Sunday dinner and then we do the same thing Monday through Friday. Um, you know, your bedtime is seven o'clock. It was very like, there's nothing else going on. It's a figment of your imagination. Just do what we tell you. And then when I got exposed to that shift of, you, you think your parents know everything, they're geniuses, they're so smart. Every time you ask them a question, they have an answer. And then I started seeing the fact that I had questions but my mom didn't have any more answers. And that was a point of me having to educate myself and also teach my mom what I learned because she did not know. Um, and after, I wanna say after fifth grade, that became a thing. Well, that's how you did it in Jamaica. Well, this is how my teachers tell me to do it. She was like, well, we didn't have to do no math with letters in it. So you need to ask your brothers because I can't help you. And um, from there, it, had, it was like, Chantal, you go to school, you do your work, you want to know how to do it, make sure you ask your teacher before you come home. If you don't know it, I'll um, get you a tutor and I'll pay them to teach you, but I can't help you. What my mom did excel in was English. Um, my mom skipped a lot of her grades um, in Jamaica. She tested out. In Jamaica, they don't hold kids back by their age. It's more about your knowledge. Um, you have the knowledge of it, they move you up. Um, so English-wise, in the bag. History-wise, in the bag. Um, writing, grammar, in the bag. 
math. My mom was like, can't help you. <laughs> so um, a lot of how I grew up, um, I became the person over Sean's Hall very early, which um, backfires in a lot of ways because I feel like I got to figure out how to do it myself all the time when in reality, I don't. Um, but growing up as a child in America, having two Caribbean parents and more times than not having my mom be my go-to for elementary school, middle school, high school, college, my friends, the people I met, the people I worked with, um, and learning, you know, they talk to you this way because of this. They gonna treat you this way because of that. By default, as a as a mom, I teach my kids both ways. I teach them what my experience was. I teach them why I do things this way, and I teach them how to properly talk to people. And if this ever happens to you, this is what you do. Um, I'm just not thinking about something. Um, what? Like, you know, coming where I come from. Um, I have close friends who are white, but my close friends who are white came either during college or after college. Not high school? Not high school. I have white friends in high school. Like that you're still friends with today? Yeah, it's on my Instagram right now. (laughs) I take that back. I take that back. Some people that we were not as close as we were when we were young, but we're Mm -hmm. cool now. But And the reason I say this because some that I was cool and I would like to be friends with them, but they have very bigoted and ignorant mindsets and I cannot entertain that. And it's not only with the white ones, but it was some of the black ones too, you know? I, I, I experienced that in Florida and I have friends who have that whole Confederate t-shirt, yeah. Confederate flag see, on my truck. See, and the but, thing you say, you say Florida, but you was in Florida for, for a short period of time. I was in Florida for five years. Yeah. I was yeah. in Texas for 30, <laughs> what, 32, 33 years, mm-hmm. you know? So thinking like that's the thing you got to think about. Your experience of college, I would say, being one of the wildest states in the U.S., Florida, number one, Texas, right, yes. number two. I don't care what people say. I'm from Texas. I'm a Texas born and raised, you know? And that's the same being born black in Texas. We're taught, once again, being taught, remember the Alamo. You know, support all these things. Not, not until like three years ago, I realized the Alamo was fought by Mexico to free the slaves. What the way the way we have to unlearn the shit we were taught as kids? No, don't don't, don't unlearn it. Remember it. And well, not it. you know not, what I mean. Like, not, I know what you mean. I know yeah, what you mean. Not forget it, but just really find out the truth. Like it's it's like man, and and we gonna talk more about education in this series, but it's it's a lot that is growing up. It's like you grown up with a bunch of lies being told to us. Growing up being told like like first we have two different perspectives, and I'm I'm like I'm glad you're sharing with us. But for the people who grew up like that, what are some things that you were told as a child that had to deal with race? You know had to deal with did you ever have you know i hear about the talk and i hear people did not hear the talk and i'm like no nah, that talk has to i always say having a conversation with my friends recently when you're giving your kid you know your nephews and nieces that talk today she's like because their parents are not giving it to them 
And yeah. I can talk yeah. about even the disappointed disappointments I saw in my own community too, where we, where I had teachers or uh, like I talk, I had a speech impediment. I can't say anything about when I had a speech impediment and I was going, I used to stutter and I couldn't pronounce my R's correctly. I was Dwayne. That's how I was talking. Okay. But when I went to my black school, this is the truth. We got, we're talking, we've been honest and transparent here, right? Um, Man, that, that, facilitator that educator or that person that that specialist will bring me and like another boy um into this room and she'll pick up a magazine and put legos in front of us and let us play and chill that whole time whereas i had that same thing where i would go to speech from third grade all the way up to seventh grade in middle school because my mom would send me to Jamaica to visit so much that the way that my family spoke, mm. I would write that way. Or some words I would mix up with the English language. And my teachers were like, no, she's not getting it. It's not clicking. And they, it was basically an unlearning every day until seventh grade of that is separate from this. You don't write like that, even though your family says it like this. Um, and and then it was books. We were actually doing the work. We weren't sitting there and playing. But I have seen people who are supposed to be helping Black kids with what their skills to build it up that just make them frolic as if, like, it's okay, whatever. Like They'll, go, they'll grow out of it. So this was, like, from kindergarten to first grade, okay? Mm-hmm. No, this is no, this is first and second grade transition to the predominantly white school. This white woman specialist pull, I see all time for speech. I'm like, okay, my mother put me in. I'm thinking, where the Legos at? You know, where the, yeah. where the Legos and shit? You know, so I'm like, sorry, where the Legos and stuff? <laughs> and she was like, no, we're going to work on, you know, rolling my tongue. And I'm like, yeah. like she really said that. And I'm like, I got the, the, the help I needed from a white woman, a white facility, you know, a different type of education program, you know? So I'm not going to say everything was bad experiences, but, you know, it was discrimination and microaggression, but can we have one without the other? You know, that's my thing. Um, it absolutely is possible. And that's what mm-hmm. we're going to continue to strive for is for us to have other effective again, conversations. So what we're doing right here, sharing ourselves and sharing the history of um, being Black in America. Mm-hmm it's going to be helpful for others to see that. So if you're doing good work, understand it. Um, once again, we grew up in two different ways and understand, and also have that understanding. Like when I had my peers and friends and it's not to dismiss everyone because we have grace for one another, but mm-hmm. right, once again, the pillars, respect, communication, consistency, we can have that. We can have a lot more growth, a lot of, I would say positive pivoty. So yeah. we can do what we're doing right here. We're going to see a lot more. And I will say this. If your parents were from a different country and they were raising you in America and you were born in America and they were older, that's like a double whammy of a halt of what you were taught in your household versus the world that you live in. Because a lot of Caribbean older parents do not want to unlearn, do not want to learn. 
anything new. It's a lot of it's a lot of southern racist white folks that don't want to learn either. Yeah. That's what so. we have in critical race theory. Removing education the truth. Well, they don't want what we're doing right here. Yeah. They don't want to have these talks. And that's why I did the series. Because when you have talks like this or when you overhear talks like this, you begin to understand your neighbor. You know what I'm saying? If you care about them. Yeah. But it's another one, y'all. It's another one in the bag um, to gain understanding and understand where we come from and um, what we're exposed to and finding understanding. You can be different, but you can also understand where someone else is coming from. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you have any questions, don't forget to drop them in the comments. Uh, please leave a review. Please review under She Gets a Pod, under Everything Culture. Please check out his podcast on his own podcast platform. We are on TikTok and we are on IG, Twitter. Wherever you see us, let us know that you're listening to the show. Yes, please. And as always, you know, we got to remember the mission statement for Everything Culture while we do this collab. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Is that... From the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is he believed that men hate each other because they fear each other. They fear each other because they don't know each other and they don't know each other because of segregation. And because of segregation, we have miscommunication. So our goal is to have more conversation so we get to know each other based on the pillars of respect, communication, and consistency. So let's do that. Let's get to know one another. Thank you again, Shan. It's always a pleasure. Um, pod fam in the business so I want to say love y'all again and peace peace thanks for checking out this week's episode but for next week's episode this is what was said and um maybe the reason why you want to bust your butt for so long is because that's all you knew your parents weren't into you playing sports. Your parents were academics. And coming from a Caribbean household, it's academics that they're more on. They don't care about you playing soccer, especially if you're not a boy. See, but the thing is, in a Black household, it don't matter. In, like, in my household, it don't matter what you're doing. You're going to have to try twice as hard. You're yeah. going to have to grind. Not saying, and, I, and once again, I'm not... Um, taken away uh, we said in our intro episode we're not taking away from anybody else in their culture but right. in, in, in our community if we we know we have to come out and be smarter harder faster stronger and we got and we then we have to still be kind like it's such the stress that's put on us at an early age to be successful and it's historically known from that and it, once again let, let's talk about Deion sanders mm. You can find Drake and myself on all the podcast platforms. If you would like to email me, it's at shegetsapod at gmail.com. And if you would like to add Drake, it's at everything culture. You can find us on IG, TikTok, X, and Stereo app. Peace. Mm-hmm.